When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to the latest Robins on the Wire podcast. Happy New Year to you from myself, Michelle Owen, and Gregor McGregor joins me. In this episode, we will be previewing the semi-final, the first leg of the Carabao Cup against Manchester City. But first, we're just going to reflect on what was a very congested, festive time for Bristol City. Gregor, the first time that this team have experienced back-to-back defeats. The Wolves one was hard to take, wasn't it? Yeah, a real kick in the teeth there with that <coughs> last-minute goal. Um, I think it kind of goes to show that football comes down to the finest of margins at times. And uh, it's so annoying, isn't it, if they could have just held out for, what, the last couple of minutes or, or last minute, whatever it was, seconds even, and uh, they'd have got a really creditable draw against the top-of-the-table Wolves. And, um, yeah, everything would be so optimistic and I think everybody would still be buoyant about um, the chances. And, and, and obviously, it's not a huge... Um, negative that um, they they suffered a last minute defeat and let's be honest they've had plenty of last minute wins so um, yeah it, it, it's um, maybe something that's been coming in terms of sort of them being all out attack at the end of games and sometimes you win some sometimes you lose some but yeah did it have a knock on effect for the Villa game not too sure but um, yeah certainly they looked a bit leggy against Villa yeah they just looked burnt out didn't they you know it's 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 been such a, a tough time for them. The energy expenditure of the Manchester United game was huge. And the Wolves game was a tough one to take. I've got a question for you, though, about tactics in that game. I was only listening on the radio, so I was not watching that. So before I sort of get into too much detail, I'll let you expand further. But Aidan Flint was left on up top, wasn't he, at 1-0. Was that the right decision? Yeah, it's a really good question, that. Um, I've seen a few fans debating it online. Um, I, yeah, I'm not too sure. I, I did remember thinking at the time maybe they should have gone, um, pulled him back a little bit and sort of um, gone a bit more defensive. The, the problem was everything happened so quickly. They got the equaliser and suddenly um, they, um, uh, you know, Espirito Santo brings on Ivan Cavallero and that in itself was a, a turning point. Um, cause Such a good player. He is, yeah. He, um, the, the City players really couldn't get the ball off him when he came on. He's so athletic, so great at dribbling. Um, really kind of changed the game in some respects. And then, yeah, he, he threads through that ball for Matt Doherty and... Um Obviously, we know what happens then. Um, Frank Fielding brings him down and the game changes. And, yeah, it it was just... It just happened so quickly. Yeah, possibly he should have put Flint back there and... um, yeah, um, and things might have been different. But then at the same token, who's to say that Flint hadn't, wouldn't have popped up and or had some match-winning contribution at the other yeah. end? Um, you can't get more right, can you? No, absolutely. And I think that's what we like about Lee Johnson is that he is an attacking-minded manager. But when Matt Doherty was, was through to Frank Fielding, when Frank Fielding caught him, he definitely caught him, no question about that. It was a foul, 100%. But is it sending off? Because you've got the Bristol City defenders coming back across. They're level with Frank Fielding. Therefore, Frank Fielding isn't the last man. I guess the letter of the law has been applied that 
it's a clear goal scoring opportunity but for you Gregor was it a sending off I think yeah it was just about I remember at the time thinking right he's just going to roll the ball into the goal now and so yeah my gut reaction was that it was a red card if I'd been the ref I would have given a red card there yeah, and it changed the whole complexion of the game, of course, because Wolves came out. And from that stunning free kick, as we said from Barry Douglas, it was Bennett that got the winner. Maybe Nathan Baker's positioning could have been a bit better, but I think fatigue was a massive a massive thing at that, that point. Marlon Pack gives away a soft free kick because he's, let's be honest, he's absolutely shattered. You could see that he's shattered. And Nathan Baker, perhaps a slight lapse in concentration not to get his body in front of Ryan Bennett. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> It's kind of the difference between the two teams, isn't it? That basically Wolves were able to rest um, Bonatini for the game against Millwall the match before mm. and then had Cavalero, arguably one of their very best players, on the mm. bench during the game. And, um, yeah, um, City haven't had that luxury, unfortunately, no. because of all the injuries they've had. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Maybe if they can bring in a couple of players, then, then things will be different. Yeah, let's move on to transfer then before we talk about uh, the Manchester City semi-final. I think we're putting, by the way, the Aston Villa game just, just down to one of one of those games, aren't we? B- before we just completely sweep that under the carpet. Yeah, I, I had a couple of points to make about that. In the, um, you, you didn't cover that game, did you? No, no, I didn't cover it. I was up, uh, where was I? It was New Year's Day, wasn't it? New Year's Day, I was up in, in Shrewsbury. So, uh, yeah, it was the 5.30 kickoff, wasn't it? So, unfortunately, I, I wasn't doing that one. I just thought um, after the Villa game, Lee's reaction was kind of a bit odd, but I I like his reaction, and um, you could tell. And is, so, is this when he was talking about the emergency loan market and things? Yeah, a couple, couple of things here actually. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so Lee yeah, did his after-match press conferences and I was told, I haven't seen this, but I was told by one of my colleagues that um, he was a bit um, uppity <laughs> with some of the broadcast journalists um, and what happened was he was um, doing his bit with, I believe, BBC Radio Bristol and um, as I understand it in the villa area, the, the mix zone is quite um, a small area mm. um, and so the BBC West Midlands journalists were doing their interview with one of the players next to him I've been told and um, he had to basically say to them guys listen can you give me some respect because they were basically over talking um, and you couldn't hardly hear Lee and doing his interview this was all going on at the same time so um, yeah I, th- I, I d- it's just an odd situation really but I kind of I think it kind of shows that he wasn't in the best of mood after the game you wouldn't and, be after a 5 defeat though would you no I, I, exactly and likewise he came through and he did his press conference with us and um, yeah there were a couple of interesting little um, things that he, he said to us in the in the written press media just I, I thought it was interesting how he brought up the um, the Villa fans mocking um, <clears throat> um, Bristol City and also there, there was a bit at the end of the game um, where he, he sort of got into a little spat with Steve Bruce that's probably overplaying a little bit but there were basically a few harsh words between the two of them I think maybe that carried on over and um, basically I don't think Lee was in the best of best of moods after the game so yeah. Make it out as you will, though. But as you say, he's never going to be after a 5 0 game. No, and he hasn't tasted defeat much this season. That was, what, only their fifth defeat of the season? So the first time they had back to back defeats all year, it's sort of to be expected. But what matters now is how they react, isn't it? And this semi final against Manchester City, I think the FA Cup, you know, you can just. It's not, it's not important, I don't think, to Bristol City this season at all, is it? So let's talk about the Carabao Cup and Manchester City over two legs Gregor this is it's not an impossible task it's not because they drew recently that unbeaten run has been halted 
but we're looking at one of the very best teams in Europe. So over 180 minutes of football, can Bristol City beat them? Well, we had this same conversation, didn't we, before the Manchester United game. You, you just never know. But football. the Manchester United one was 90 minutes. Yes, true. Um, I don't know, I kind of think that two legs might actually help City here because... You're the oh, first person I've heard say that. <laughs> well, just because... They, obviously, they play the first game up at the Etihad, and um, maybe Man City won't go quite all guns blazing, and might, might not feel the strongest lineup. And if City can just in a semi-final, do you think really that Pep Guardiola will not feel one, mm. one of his strongest teams? The, the problem with a, a team like Manchester City is what is their strongest side? I mean, you, well, you saw them, them learn they, what they did in, in Europe when they lo- lost to Shakhtar. You know, that was not that. That's not their strongest team. There, that's a lot of young lads. You know, every other team, I hear what you're saying, is a very strong team. Yeah, I, I think with a, when you come to the very top echelons of the game, Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, etc., it's very difficult to say what is their exact strongest eleven. Obviously, you've got your players like De Bruyne, who everybody would um, agree is going to be in it. But then there's a few other play, players, and you'd probably say Sterling would be in there at the moment, um, maybe David Silva. But but they've got other players in there as well that you'd argue could you be got, in You've got Sterling. I mean, I think David Silva might not play because I think he's got some personal issues at the moment. So I, I don't know if he'll be back for for the game or not. I think he had a, a child that was born prematurely, which is really sad. So he is, at the moment, I think, focusing all his efforts on that. So I wouldn't expect him to be playing. But then you've got Raheem Sterling, you've got Lima Rosane, Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, just to name a few. And that's just the midfield before you go into the, the attackers. You know, all the options they've got up there. I'd imagine Aguero will play. Uh, it's going to be a monumental effort required here. Yeah, I, I just think if they can hang in there in that first leg, that's all it, it's about, isn't it? And then bring them back to Ashton Gate and let's see what happens, really. So We know what the atmosphere can be like at Ashton Gate. You know, I have never, and I think you're probably the same, I've never, I've been down here, you know, four or five years covering Bristol City, I've never known an atmosphere like that Manchester United one. Do you think the same can be replicated if, if Bristol City are coming back after losing at the Etihad? Let's say they lose by a couple of goals. Is the atmosphere still going to be that terrific when they bring them back here? Yeah, without doubt, the Robins fans will be up for it, whatever, I think, because you, you kind of have to take things um, in perspective um, and look at the wider, the bigger picture here, really, and, and see that it's been a fantastic season for the Robins, fantastic Carabao Cup run. Um, <clears throat> we don't know whether they'll be in it or out of it by that stage, but I, I think you've just got to enjoy it, really, and say Lee Johnson's done a fantastic job, the players have been brilliant, and uh, let's just see what happens. Gary Johnson, his dad, said to me that he thinks the Manchester United game was their cup final. So, are some people already resigned to the fact that this is just a bonus game? I know that sounds a little bit harsh, but do you get that vibe at all? Well, I know Lee Johnson was talking about it the other day after the Villa game, and he was saying to me, basically, what do people expect um, him to, like, basically field a, a weakened side for Manchester City? He basically, he was saying, you can't do that. This is this is this could be history for the club. They, they've never been past that stage, obviously. So um, to make to make the final would be amazing. Um, and yeah, he's got to go for it. So no, I, well, yes, it is a bonus in terms of. Um, uh, obviously, it's, it's not going to affect the league and everything, and, and they're probably going to lose. But you, you just never know in football. Um, and at the same time, yeah, it's 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 obviously. I, I'm not sure if it's going to have too much bearing on their league campaign, apart from we've we've got all these matches in quick succession. Yeah, it's, so. ne- it's an extra game, isn't it? And with the squad so depleted at the moment, anyway, it's a tricky one. But you know, I, I'd like to sort of put 
my neck on the line, as it were. I think they might get beaten at the Etihad because it's a difficult place to go and they've been playing an incredible, you know, calibre of player. But coming back to Ashton Gate, I reckon they could get a couple of goals, bring it to a draw, take it to extra time, and that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? And on penalties, you know, anything happens. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what, another thing I find interesting is that I've spoken to a couple of the players recently and Aidan Flint is, in one has said this to me, that um, basically the players kind of would have taken um, league points over the win over Manchester United. Really? But yeah, they, they, they said, well, certainly before those matches, before that match, they said um, it was more important to win at the weekend in the league yeah. uh, than, than in the Cup. So maybe now they've got that win over Man United. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure they would quite trade it. But, but um, yeah, they, they know that the league is, is the important thing. And, yeah, they, they, you're right, they've got to look at this game as a bonus. Um, and we've got to hope that the sort of collateral damage... Um, from playing these matches in quick succession at a difficult time of the year um, isn't too um, everlasting. Yeah, but already look at the effects on this fixture schedule on the squad, you know. Depleted squad through injuries, which brings us on to transfers. So uh, tell us what you've heard so far in terms of incomings. I've heard Liam Walsh mentioned a lot. Now, it's important to say we've recorded this on uh, Friday the 5th of January. So at the time... No players have come in. But do we think Liam Walsh is very close to signing? Um, I think, yeah, we've both heard a few rumours that that could be um, about to be concluded. Um, certainly, I think there's um, a lot of interest there and I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in. Uh, I was told a long time ago that Bristol City wanted to bring in a central midfielder, so that would um, satisfy that. <clears throat> Lee Johnson's been very specific on that that central midfielder, hasn't he? He said it's not necessarily... Obviously, they've got to be a very good player and they've got to be sort of top championship calibre. But he's also said about the character. It's so important that whoever comes in fits in with this dressing room doesn't upset the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. And some some fans might look at a signing like Liam Walsh, if he signs, um, and says... Uh, and say, um, why are we taking on someone who's, who's not cut it at Birmingham City this season where he was on loan? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you ha- kind of have to take a, a look at the longer term. Can I, ju- can I just say something about Birmingham City as well? I know from talking to people that behind the scenes, that has been a very disjointed dressing room. That has been a club with a lot of unhappiness and a lot of sort of, for want of a better word, um, I guess unhappiness in, in the dressing room. And perhaps as a young lad, that wasn't for him. Coming into a cohesive dressing room like Bristol City, it could be somewhere where he flourishes. I think you're spot on. I think, um, yeah, the respective dressing rooms and where the clubs are at at this moment in time is very different. Um, and yeah, I'd be surprised if he did flourish in that kind of environment where, under Steve Cotswell, obviously, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they're we un- know well, <laughs> yeah, and they're under so much pressure to perform now and get results now. Whereas he could come to um, Bristol City and he probably knows he's not going to be first choice with Corey Smith and Marlon Pack in front of him, even Josh Brownhill. Um, but there's that long-term pathway to the first team, like we've seen with other young players. And he's going to get his chance, and he's going to work with a really top coach like Lee, who's going to bring the best out of him over the longer period. And it's basically like Lee, um, basically like Josh Brownhill and Callum O'Dowder, in that we saw them come in, and they didn't straight away have an, an immediate effect. It's sort of like a year, two years down the line, where we see them then coming into the first team and, and, and having that consistency in performance. And I think that could be the same case here. Is this going to be a permanent or a loan move, do we believe? <laughs> I think it's going to be a permanent, um, from what I've heard. But 
that could be very different in the, in the sort of five hours' time. It's a, yeah, it's a funny world, the, trans, the transfer ward. Anyone else that you've heard of, of incoming? Any names you've heard floated about? No, no, no other names. But the only thing I would say is that um, Lee said recently in a press conference that he was probably going to be looking for another wide midfielder. And because we obviously saw Jonathan Lecco um, go back to West Brom the other day. Camerdad's injury. Yes, um, I, I think it's almost certain that they'll bring in another wide midfielder. Um, I haven't got any names at the moment, but I'm sure they'll be looking for. I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it was another lone player who comes in. Yeah, and what about outgoings? I think, from what I've heard, and I hope that this is wrong, that Aidan Flint could be leaving. But then again, didn't we say that in summer? So, and I'll tell you my thoughts on that. In a presser a few weeks ago, he was asked about his future. He was non-committal, which is a weird thing when Bristol City are where they are in the Championship, potentially in the Premier League next season, in a semi-final of a Carabao Cup. Why doesn't he want to be here? Uh, <laughs> uh, he might, by the way, he might want to be here. I'm not yeah. saying he doesn't, but why does he give that impression? Yeah, it's, it's, a, good, it's a really good point. And I have um, asked... Aiden, specifically myself, earlier this season about his contract situation and whether he sees himself here in the long term. And he completely shut me down over that question in, in a way um, that doesn't exactly give you confidence for the long term. His answer at the time was, I've got three and a half years on my contract, let's see what happens, basically, um, to paraphrase him. Um, but he's 28 now as well, you know? Yeah, I, and I think that is the key thing. He's 28 and he's ambitious. And um, I think he's basically just going to see what happens, you know? But where does he think he's going? Like, the only better place to be right now would, in the Championship, be Wolves. Because, let's be honest, they're going up. You know, bar some catastrophic situation. So where does he want to go? Does he want to go to the Premier League? If so, what club is going to take Aidan Flint at the moment? OK, maybe you're Swansea City. But Swansea City are probably going to be playing in the Championship next season. Yeah, not Swansea City. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, th I, think, I think he wants to play at the top level uh, as high as he can. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. Uh, Lee Johnson said himself the uh, couple of well a week or two ago that basically um, championship would be sideways. No, no point going yeah, to exactly. any other There's championship. No, point. no, so it's only going to be a Premier League. So he thinks side. he could get a Premier League move, is what we're saying. <laughs> well, is he good enough? Yeah, I, I think he is good enough. Um, but whether and you have to be realistic here. You have to say it would probably take what something like in my opinion, sort of around 10 million quid more, and it's only going to be a Premier League club that can afford that. And that's what we heard in summer, the 10 million. Yeah, and, and are they going to be willing to part with that kind of cash for a 28-year-old? Um, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I know, I, know, I know there are, I've seen other people saying that they think he might be off. I don't think he's going to... Do you think he's not going anywhere, though, because it won't work out because of the money, because of the transfer fee? And do you think he wants to go? I think there's two elements. I think the club won't want to sell him unless it's for stupid money. And it would have to be very stupid, stupid money because... Ten million! I think more than that from the club's wow. point of view. Because, not, I'm not saying necessarily that's his price tag, but because if, if they sell Flint now, that you can kiss goodbye to um, promotion this season. You, wow, you think he's that important? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you not think that Bailey Wright could come into centre-back with, with Nathan Baker and then you could have... You, you know, I don't know, Zach Viner, maybe a fullback. Do you not think that's a strong enough defence, no? 
I, th- I think you could do that, but yeah, I don't think you're you going to go up this enough. season. No, no, no. And Aidan Flint's goals, of course, are so important. Absolutely. It's more than that as well. It's the effect on the dressing room. He's, he's an absolute leader in there. He's a character. You can tell from the other players. They look up to him so much. He, he's, uh, he, he's an icon for this club, uh, as we've spoken about. He's a talisman on the side. He's that important. I, I just think if they sell him, kiss goodbye to promotion. Wow. Perhaps. But I, I think the club, though, realistically, would say... Um, listen, Aidan, if you want to go, there's interest in you. We'll reevaluate in the summer if we don't go up. And I think that suits everybody. I think that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's more than fair. And surely if they went up, he'd want to stay, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think I, I think the best thing is for him to stay. I think he will stay. Uh, yeah, it, it might be something we, we revisit in the summer. But at the moment, yeah, I can't see anyone paying the money that would be needed to capture him. Um, and I don't think it would make sense for him to go or for the club to let him go. So, yeah. Not going for me. Okay, let's see where we are in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about Joe Bryan. Please tell me he's not going. No, again, same. <laughs> and Bobby Reed. <laughs> I hate to say it, sound like a broken record, but it's the same with all of these guys. They're just so important, aren't they? And but Bobby Reed hasn't resigned. This is yet. True. This is true. He's possibly the only one where. Say you got a bid of ten million pounds, something like that, then you might consider it because he's out of contract in eighteen months. But a bid of ten million pounds, and I mean this with no disrespect to Bobby Reed, because I think he's a brilliant player. He's only been playing up front for five, six months. Okay, he's small. Is he going to cut it in the Premier League? I think he is going to long term. Yeah, and I think it's because. But now. <clears throat> Difficult one. Uh, yeah, I think he could have an effect. I mean, he's not going to go to, with respect to Bobby at the moment, it's, it's unlikely that he's going to go to a top-half club and have a, a, a make a huge difference. Um, in, well, in, in my opinion. He might, he might come in, score a few goals or something. Um, is that going to warrant an outlay of sort of £10 million plus? Mm. I, I'm not but then that. we know that the money in the Premier League is silly. Yes, yeah. Um, I, just, I just think the thing with Bobby is... I think a lot of clubs will look beyond his goal scoring and see that he is brilliant, really brilliant off the ball. Tenacious. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's a, I, I always use the word live wire. He's like the Duracell bunny. His he work just, rate is phenomenal. Absolutely. He just doesn't stop running. Um, and I think someone like Sean Dyche might have a look at him for that reason. I wouldn't be surprised to see Burnley interested in him or a, a club of that ilk. And but but, but with, with someone like Bobby Reid, you know, Bristol boy, been around here for years... Does that have an impact at this stage of the season, knowing that he could go up with his boyhood club, that he could be in the Premier League with Bristol City? That must, I mean, yes, okay, the Premier League teams are going to pay him more money per week. That's, you know, that's a fact. But if I'm Bobby Reid, and I've grown up playing around here with my mate Joe Bryan, and we've all seen that picture circulating on social media from the two together, come on, you you know, money's not everything. He's got enough money at the moment. Yeah, I I hear you, and yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think with as I was saying with Aiden, I think here is the best place for him to be at the moment, and he'd be silly to go elsewhere. And I, and I don't think he will. Again, I think it's a, a bit of a non-story if, if I'm honest. But just to add into that, um, someone told me the other day, and I didn't realise this. Mm. I think Joe and Bobby Reed went to the same primary school yeah, together. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, which I just think is incredible that these guys have known mm. each other for so long, and that's part of the secret of the success I think of Bristol City this season. That they've got this close-knit dressing room. The guys know each other. They like some, in some respects they've grown up together. Obviously here um that's another reason why it would be crazy to break that up by yeah. selling players so it's like we've heard mark ashton say the other day he told the club didn't he that um players don't need to be sold so 
yeah, outgoings, no, not having it. I don't think there'll be. I don't think there'll be any significant. That's it's a great situation to be in as well, isn't it? I mean, I know you've got teams like Wolves that have been given so much money to spend in summer and obviously have got all these Portuguese stars in and, and are flying at the top but you know if Bristol City could take the situation it's a good one to be in where your owner and your CEO are saying don't worry you don't have to sell anyone yeah I do I do think it's um, a great situation to be in it's a well run club I, yeah I, I think they're um, I think it's refreshing to be honest um, just to see a club that is actually well run and not by a foreign owner Exactly, yeah, exactly. As I say, it's refreshing. Um, I, I think they're just doing so many things the right way at the moment, and um, a lot of people would agree with that. Uh, let's go back to transfers in. Jordan Hugel, is he coming to Ashton Gate? There's been a lot of talk about this. Again, no, sorry, not for me. Um, I know there's an, <coughs> a journalist out there who said that he believes that um, Bristol City would be prepared to spend £10 million on getting him from Preston North End, but Preston nah. North End don't want to sell. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me, because um, obviously they... The, just... the, the, their record signings from Irish Yuzhu, which was like £5.3 million. Yeah, I, and I can't see them doubling that suddenly in the space yeah. of six months, so that doesn't make any sense to me. Jordan Hugel, I think... <clears throat> excuse me. I'll start that bit again. Jordan Hugel, for me, is, yeah, a top-quality championship striker. There's a lot of clubs who've been interested in him. Um, Wolves were rumoured to have bid around the £10 million, uh, mark in the summer, didn't get him. There's a lot of um, chatter about him at the moment, especially because, obviously, Preston signed Billy Bowden the other day, although he's not a striker, out-and-out striker. Um, they have brought in um, another striker from Scotland. I think people are putting two and two together and saying, right, Hugel... Coming up with five. Yeah, exactly. Hugel might be on his way. Not for me. I can't see City um, having, uh, making that kind of outlay at the moment, unfortunately. However, what I would say is that, one, I know Lee Johnson is a fan. He, um, he mentioned it in a presser um, not so long ago, talked him up um, mm. when Preston came here. And two, I think that's the sort of one that would be um, definitely worth keeping an eye on in the summer if Bristol City got promoted. Mm, OK. Any more transfer in gossip or is, it, is that it for this week? That's, that's it for um, <laughs> I will pick your brains in a, in a fortnight's time when we're back well when we come back then we will be talking more about the Manchester City ties how Bristol City have fared and hopefully uh, they'll pick back up in the league fingers crossed we'll be back in a fortnight's time Robins on the Wire